Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And let's give a warm welcome to our pastor, Pastor Joe Soros. Thank you, Dion. He did a great job, didn't he? Come on, give it up for Dion. Oh, hallelujah. It's Saturday night. It's Saturday night, and I don't have to worry about saying night. Night. I'm going to say it again, night. You say, what is he talking about? Well, you see, every Saturday night, we usually record the message for our Bayville campus on Sunday morning. Well, tomorrow morning, uh, we have a live teaching down there. Uh, Pastor Rick Cardwell is going to be teaching in Bayville tomorrow morning. And so I don't have to record tonight, so that means I can walk any place I want. I don't, have to, I don't have to not mention Saturday or Saturday night because it makes me so nervous because I'm so afraid I'm going to slip. So I feel so free tonight. I feel like, a, a, like a, you know, usually I feel like a dog on a leash up here. It's like you, they tell me, you only go this far, and you can only go this far, and now I can do this, and I can even come down here and see you. And Chris is freaking out because I just realized they are recording tonight so they can go online. So he's going to have to edit all of that stuff. Sorry, Chris. Sorry, buddy. I'll take you out to lunch next week. So it's uh, communion weekend. Amen. So um, this is communion. It's not a jello shot like somebody asked me about before. This. <laughs> this is communion. And um, later on, don't do it now, but later on, we use these because it's very sanitary and uh, very convenient. And so later on, I'll give you some instructions. But you got your little wafer on top and then the grape juice underneath there. So I hope you didn't sit on it. Um, so we'll be taking that later. Now listen, I want to share some things. We don't, we don't just slap communion on the end of a service. When we have communion weekend, we dedicate the entire service to preparing our hearts to receive communion. How many, how many of you know that communion is an important thing? Amen. I mean, if this is the thing that Jesus did just the very night before he was going to the cross, the very night that he would suffer all of that torment, if he took the time to observe this and, and really instituted it that night uh, for us in the church age, and I think it's important for us to attach significance to it and um, not just, like I said, slap it on the end of a service. So I want to share some thoughts with you tonight and share, obviously, from the Word of God. But I just want to set the stage because if you grew up in the type of church that I did, um, communion was the time when you went, okay, the bells rang, I got 10 minutes and I'm out of here. Okay, let's just be honest with each other. It just, it, it, it wasn't explained. Maybe the church you grew up in explained it a lot and stuff, but that wasn't my experience. Until I came into this born-again experience and came into biblical Christianity, and then we understand the significance of communion. We understand the representation of it. But most of all, we understand Jesus' desire for us in communion, and that is the key words that he used, do this in remembrance of me. 
Amen. And that's what we're going to venture to do tonight. Let me share a little bit of history with you. The American Civil War in our nation was one of the darkest periods of American history. I think we would all agree. Families were torn apart over deeply held convictions, forcing brother to turn against brother, father against sons. It was a very emotionally draining time, especially for, for young, newly married couples. So it was not unusual for men to leave some memento, some type of memento of themselves to remind their young brides of their husband's heartfelt devotion toward them. In some cases, it could be a lock of hair, a poem. Uh, for those who could afford it, they could use a technology that was just starting to come uh, and be available, which they would have a picture. All of these were meant to serve the purpose of, of them not forgetting their loved ones while they were away. And so this ordinance or sacrament of communion that was instituted by the Lord Jesus himself, it serves as a method by which we can bring to our remembrance the love, the commitment that Jesus demonstrated towards us at the cross. The interesting thing about that habit that these young soldiers had during the Civil War was not only did they leave a personal memento, not only did they leave something for their brides to remember them by, but they were very much in the habit of writing letters, and they exist to this day on a weekly basis, sometimes multiple times per week. They had this habit of staying in frequent touch with their, their wives, their beloved. And so we could say that Jesus, the head of the church, through the Holy Spirit, after having established and instituted communion, he also stayed in touch with his beloved through the letters that were written to the church by the Holy Spirit's inspiration through people like the Apostle John, the Apostle Paul, James, Peter. Jesus wanted his beloved to know that he was coming, that he would be back someday, that he still cared for them, that he was still watching over them, that he was still very much aware of their needs in the individual churches. So the church, the bride of Christ, should have the same attitude most of those Civil War brides had. You picture them looking out their windows, looking down a path to see if their husband's coming back. And that's the same attitude that you and I should have as we search the horizon, waiting for that moment when Jesus appears through the, through the clouds, comes back for his church again. Amen. The Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, communion, whatever you are used to calling it, must always be done in remembrance of Jesus as he commanded us. I remind you of Luke chapter 22, verse 19. I want to lead, read it to you from the New Living Translation. He took some bread, he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And all throughout the word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, communion was taken by believers in one form or another. In the Old Testament, we have the roots of what we call communion in the form of Passover, a Passover celebration, which includes bread, includes wine. 
both of those pointing to the future, the time when Jesus would come to the earth, both of them symbolic of his flesh and of his blood, the flesh and blood of the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Let us also remember and begin to practice communion as a method of experiencing the presence of God, especially during times of stress and instability. You'll see throughout the Old Testament that many times before the nation of Israel was about to embark in a new phase, in a new, in a new um, just take a new territory, they would frequently stop and celebrate Passover and then go and do what God commanded them to do. And so we see that Matthew 26, verse 26, uh, this is Matthew's version of what we read in Luke. Uh, I'm going to read to you from New King James. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broken, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The Christian theologian Oswald Chambers said this, When Jesus shed his blood on the cross, it was not the blood of a martyr or the blood of one man for another, but the blood of God being poured out for the redemption of mankind. Amen? Amen. Acts, listen to this scripture in Acts. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves. The Apostle Paul speaking to these pastors uh, in Asia. He's about to leave that area. He's spent years with them, teaching them, establishing them, helping them to establish their churches. And then he's leaving. He's going to go back to Jerusalem. He thinks this is the last time he's going to see them. And so he has this, this heartwarming uh, farewell on the beach before he gets on a boat that's going to take him across the Mediterranean to Jerusalem. And this is, this is part of what he shared with them. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Listen to this next part. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. You, you catching this? Are you catching what this says? Okay. Um, because there are certain individuals that do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. They believe he's a man, but they don't believe in his divinity. And yet here, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, equates the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to the blood of God. This is an important thing that we're about to partake of tonight. Communion is more than a ritual. It is a memorial service that releases the same power that was released at the cross 2,000 years ago for those who believe, and for those who would attach significance to. Amen? When we attach significance to these, to these elements, to this wafer and to this juice, and we attach significance, when we do it in remembrance, when we allow it to stir up our, uh, uh, as a reminder of all that Jesus suffered and, 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 and endured so that you and I can come back into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a power that's released. There is a grace that's released. Amen? Yes. And we should have an expectancy. Now, some of us in the past have received communion if it was a snack at the end of the service. And so we didn't derive any blessing from it because we attached no significance to it. Anything that we do when we release our faith, we're going to receive grace in return. So I'm urging you, the things I'm sharing with us tonight, the goal is to stir ourselves up 
to that place of appreciation once again. And I'm glad that we do this on a regular basis because I, I don't know if you realize this. I don't know if any of you have had this, uh, come to this conclusion. Life is complicated. Anybody find that out yet? Just one, two, three. How many would agree life is very complicated in 2019? Life is tough, and life throws stuff at you that you don't see coming. And it gets busy. It gets busy. And so, so you know, for between now and the next time we take communion, you get occupied, your brain gets busy, you stop forgetting about all that Jesus suffered for us. We start forgetting, and we start taking for granted what he accomplished on the cross. And that's why it's important for us on a regular basis to take communion together. Amen? Amen. So, this should cause us to remember the great exchange that took place. What do you mean, Pastor? Jesus took our sin so that we could receive his righteousness. I like to call it the great exchange. Amen? Say, well, it doesn't sound fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. But his love compels. His love that's been committed towards us. Even before you were conceived, his love was committed towards you. And his love caused him to go to that cross. And we should appreciate that. And we should live in the light of that sacrifice. Amen. We should live with an attitude of appreciation. And I know it's, we can't, we, it's, it's difficult to constantly remind ourselves, but we, but we should. We should. And, and truthfully, and I, and I hope no one, no one please thinks that I'm being sacrilegious tonight or blasphemous or anything like that, but you don't have to wait until we have communion at church to take communion. This is a message I have stressed for a long, long, long time because there have been many seasons in my life in this past 35 years of being a Christian when I've gone and taken communion. Just, just what, what do you do? Do you take, those, those, these, take these packages home? No, 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 it doesn't have to do. I've done it with a Triscuit and, and apple juice. It doesn't matter what you're using. What matters is the significance that you're attaching to it. So when you find yourselves in times of stress and times of instability and times of turmoil in your life, Go and take communion. Even if it's a little piece of Wonder Bread and, 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 and a, and a, and a little, little bit of water, there is nothing magical about these things. They're symbols. Are you listening to me tonight? They're symbols. Don't, don't let the religiosity of it rob you of an experience that you could be having on a regular basis. Are you listening? I've had times in my life I could think of one particular I could think of one particular time, don't have time to go into tonight, where probably for about a month and a half straight, every day, every day, I'd start my day off with taking communion. Just just get alone, get down in the basement by myself where there's no noise or anything else, and just, Lord, this is just me and you. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate what you've done for me. And I, and I take this this Triscuit. Or what are the other ones we like to buy? Wheat thin. Take one, take just take a cracker or a piece of bread or anything. And a little cup of juice. And just make that your place of encountering God. We've been talking a lot lately about practicing the presence of God. He's with you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always. 
then if that's true and we believe that, then we should be practicing that presence and taking him at his word. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. What better way? Amen? Amen. And there's no separating the cross from communion. The cross is a place where Jesus took upon himself our sin, our shame, our judgment, so that we could take his place, his blessings, and eternal life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, which speaks of that great exchange. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The cross is a place where Jesus became cursed for us so that we could experience the blessing of God. In Galatians chapter 3, we have this great truth, this revelation truth. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. It's all because of the cross. The cross is a place where Jesus took upon himself and bore our sicknesses and our diseases that we might walk in healing in health, in spirit, soul, and body. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. At the cross, Jesus suffered our punishment that we might receive God's peace. Isaiah 53, verse 4, Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Amen? Amen. At the cross, Jesus died our death that we might receive his life. It's so important. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 tells us, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. As the last drops of his life were draining out, Jesus cried out, it is finished. The work is done. It's complete. And you and I are saved because of that work. He gave his life so that we could receive his life. On the cross, God gave the greatest gift of grace that he could ever give us. And at communion, we see the coming together of two parties. We hear the heart of the Father crying out through Jesus that for us to be restored, and we see us gather together him, with him as family. The Heavenly Father desired a family, so he invested Jesus' life in order to gain a family. Mankind is and always has been the result of the love of God that he has in his heart. At the Last Supper, Jesus was using language of a man seeking a lifelong commitment with a bride. I don't know if we're aware of this or not. The disciples, when they sat at that Passover dinner that night, hearing Jesus speak in the the, the terminology, the phraseology that he he used, they would have recognized what he was saying to them. And we're we're so blinded sometimes by our Western culture. We're so blinded sometimes because you don't realize that Bible, that book that you have, and multiple books that you have at home, it's a Jewish book. Are you listening? Written from the mindset of Middle Eastern Judaism. 
And so if you don't go and dig in and if you don't study for yourself and you're content to receive what you receive with our Western understanding, many times we miss out on the richness and on the depth of what Jesus' words really meant to those disciples in that first century. They heard things that we don't hear unless we go in and we delve into it and study it. When they heard him say, this is my body which is given for you, he was using the language of a man who proposes. A potential groom would travel to the house of his potential bride and would present the terms of the marriage covenant. Jesus spent three and a half years doing that, presenting the terms of the covenant, presenting the terms of this is what it's going to be like. If you accept that I'm dying on the cross for you, if you accept me as your Savior, if you would receive the gift of my death and burial and resurrection, then we'll have eternal life together. So just as a groom would promise all to his bride, Jesus promised his all to his disciples. He said, I give this to you. This is my body. This represents my body given to you. And just, as, just at that point in time, then the bridegroom, the potential bridegroom, would pour a cup of wine and present it to his bride as an act of sealing this marriage covenant. And if she received the wine and drank the wine, the contract was made. The covenant was complete pointing to the future. And so that's what Jesus did. When he poured the wine for his disciples, he gave it to them. He said, here, drink this. This is my blood. I'm giving my body for you. I'm giving my life for you. I'm giving my blood for you. Will you receive this? And they did. And his words described the significance of the cup and representing that in the terms of marriage contract when he took that. And understand that this happened in the presence of the father, both the father of the groom, and the father of the bride. And so I want you to also understand the rest of the language that Jesus used. He said, I, I don't drink this. You drink it. I won't drink it until our, our covenant is complete, pointing to the future. So according to the terms of marriage covenant, the groom would have told his bride that he was going to go prepare a place for her. Sound familiar? And so Jesus said to the disciples, in my father's house, there's many places, rooms, mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come back and take you to be there so that you're with me always. In ancient Israel, the bridegroom could not get his bride. He could only get his bride after he prepared a place for them to live. And he could not go and get his bride until the father came and inspected that house and said, it's time now, son. Go get your bride. That, that's the process that's happening right now in eternity. He said he's going to prepare a place for us. He said, I'm going to come back and, and get you. And when I take you there, we'll be there forever. But you remember when he was questioned about, is this the time now that you're going to establish the kingdom just before he sent it into heaven? He said, no, it's not, it's not for you to know. It's for the Father to know. You listening? And so the father would have to inspect the house and go, okay, son, you did a good job here. Go get your bride. And, and the groom, the bridegroom would go to the place and the neighborhood, wherever the, the, the bride was. There would be a shout from blocks away, and a trumpet would be blown. And no matter what time, that, groom, that bridegroom better make sure she's ready. Amen? And so that's what we're waiting for today. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, 
And first, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, and then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be cut up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Verse 18 says, so encourage each other with these words. I want to encourage you tonight with these words. He's coming. He's coming. He made a promise and he's going to keep it. And he's coming. And when he distributed that bread and when he distributed that cup, he made that promise to them. This is my body which is given for you. This is my blood which is shed for you. In other words, as a, as a groom, I'm committing all that I am, all that I have, all that I will ever be, I am committing to you. And the disciples received that. And so all throughout the epistles, we hear the church being referred to as a bride. And that bride someday is going to be scooped off by the bridegroom and forever will be with him. Amen. Amen. The communion table, the cup of the Lord Jesus Christ represents his sacrifice on the cross. And listen, there's a legal side to this. This cup, this bread, his sacrifice on the cross, the shedding of his blood, his death, burial, and resurrection, listen to this, gave legal right for God to bring us back in relationship with himself. Somebody had to pay for sin. Someone had to pay for sin coming into this world. That promise goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 in the very beginning. God promised a Savior. God promised one that would crush the head of the serpent. And in the process of the serpent's head being crushed, that deliverer would suffer damage. And here comes Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in the process of defeating Satan, has to forfeit his life, has to shed his blood, has to suffer a terrible death. If that wasn't bad enough, has to go into hell because he's got to experience everything that a human being would experience who rejects that offer of salvation. Suffered. On the third day, those words, it is finished, must have rang through all of eternity. And he comes out of that place of torment, rises up again. That stone is pushed away. And the evidence of the resurrected Christ, he presented himself to his disciples. And I could almost picture Jesus going, I told you so. So if he kept that promise, why will he not keep all these other promises? Amen. Amen. If he kept that promise, what is he going to withhold from you? And I submit to you absolutely nothing. Amen? Amen. We're going to worship, and then we're going to take communion together. Father, we're so grateful tonight. We're so grateful for all that you've done for us, the way you've blessed us, the love that you've poured out on us, Father, your grace that you've showered us with. Father, we're so grateful for the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he's endured for us, all that he's suffered, the torment. Not only the physical pain, Father, 
but the spiritual torment as well. All for us, all on our behalf. And so we're so grateful tonight, Lord. Thank you that you did not abandon us in our sin. And that you didn't leave us as orphans here on the earth. Not only did you bring us into relationship with yourself, you saved us. But then you filled us with your spirit so we would always have your presence with us and in us. And we're so grateful for that, Father. There's never a moment that we're alone. You're always with us. Always loving us. Always caring for us. And so tonight, Father, our desire is to give you all the praise and all the glory and all thanksgiving. And Lord, our desire is to be obedient to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. That whenever we take this cup and eat this bread, that we do it in remembrance of the Lord Jesus. Would you please take that cup in your hand, remove that plastic film off the top, take hold of that little wafer in your hand. You are holding the symbol of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, pierced for us, brutalized for us, given for us. I'm going to pray a prayer over this, and we'll all take this together as one church family. Father, thank you so much, Lord God. We thank you for your blessing upon this bread. We thank you, Father, that it represents the bread of life, it was given for us. And we're so grateful that you call us your own, your children, your family. Thank you for sending Jesus on our behalf. We receive this bread with thanksgiving in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take that foil off the top of the cup. Church, recognize that what you're holding in your hand is symbolic of the most powerful thing in the universe. This symbolizes the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that God the Father received as payment for your sins and for my sins. This is the blood that defeated the kingdom of darkness. This is the blood that defeated death. This is the blood that cleansed us, making us worthy to come into his presence. Father, we receive this cup with thanksgiving in our hearts. Lord, we recognize your word says that without the remission, without the shedding of the blood, there could be no remission of sin. And Father, you did not even withhold the blood. You caused your son to spill it on this earth. You, Father in heaven, received it as payment. And so, Lord God, we are thankful for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive this cup with thanksgiving in our hearts, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, God bless you. Thank you for coming. Remember, stay with us for a few minutes after service so we can celebrate with these families on the dedication of children. I pray that the reality of what we received tonight, this communion that we partook of, I pray that the reality of it stays with you for many, many, many days. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. 
If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.